Action Park Media. Welcome to Victory the Podcast. I'm Doug Allen. Kevin Connolly here. Happy Fourth of July, everybody, even though when you're listening to this, it's July 7th or 8th. <laughs> I thought we're not allowed to talk dates. I thought you well, want evergreen. What as happened? Long, it, 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 as long as we're clear, as long as we don't confuse the listeners. All right. So then as long as we're talking July 4th, we're going to have KFC, Kevin Clancy from Barstool, Barstool. I love the one-minute man. But since it was July 4th, you got a brand new baby. Somehow, even though I like to think we're contemporaries, I have a 17-year-old daughter that I had to pick up at 1 o'clock in the morning. Different July problems 4th for party. different ages, right? Oh, you know what I was thinking, though? I was literally thinking, what would Connolly be saying? I'm driving up Bel Air, her friend, some freaking mansion that is like, you know, these half-naked 17-year-old, 16-year-old girls are stumbling just down starting, the street. Just starting a party, just getting into that phase. Big 4th of July party. And at I least she's honest cool dad. I want to be the cool dad. Yeah, she's there to honest. pick her up. She is honest. She had three white clothes. I don't know. Right. What am I supposed I wonder, to do? I wonder about that. I feel like I've you heard don't my, believe her. Well, I've heard my niece use that same thing. Well, I was hoping oh, she'd say I had clothes. nothing. I was hoping she would say, I, I said, did you drink? She said I had three white claws. And I was like, oh, so. I mean, maybe, maybe, but it's an easy, it's an easy out, right? Because white claws are harmless. Be like, yeah, I had two glasses of rosé. There's not you know? harm. Drunk is drunk, you know? I mean, just, I, it's, it's just well, tough it's for me. different kinds of drunk. I mean, if she said to you, oh, God, we, we smashed a bottle of tequila. <laughs> You'd be like, um, we it's, need to talk. But it's no different than if she had a case of white claws. There's no difference. No. The bottom line is the behavior. Anyway, she was pretty good, but I'm trying to be the cool dad. Well, and I know what we did. should be the understanding dad, right? But she's still slurring a little bit. And it's like one o'clock in the morning. She got work this morning. And I don't know. I but thought about Kennedy Connolly. Did she call you? Did she text you and say, hey, dad, come get us? Well, I was sitting there all night waiting. I was right. hoping like 10 o'clock. I said, all right, I'm getting tired. I go to sleep now at like 10, 15. Right. That's late for me. So I started texting her like, what's up? It's like, what do you mean? What's up? It's 10, 15. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm ready. Like, yeah, ready it's going to go. be a little while. It's going to be a little while. Yeah, but let's so. talk about a couple other things because I want to clear the air on some stuff. Okay. Did we have a fight? No, 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 no. The car. We're talking okay. about the car for a second. So let, let's talk about, so anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, last week, I have a nightmare, and Kevin and I have both had Teslas. We're both uh, somewhat fans of it, but the truth is they have the worst customer service on the planet Earth. So my lease was ending. I went there. I got a flat tire a month ago. I went to service. They put a pink tire on my car. I have a picture Hilarious. of it. I'm not exaggerating it. I've been driving around for a month. Now, listen, lots of people think I'm a supporter for LGBTQ, which is fine. That's great. But I don't want it on the yeah, car good, tire. Right. Okay. I don't want it on the car tire. I'll put a bumper sticker on for that or wear a shirt, whatever. But the car, they weren't fixing it. So I went there yesterday or, or last week and I said, can you get me this tire? It's been a month. And they said, we don't have it yet. It's back ordered. Had a little bit of a Kevin Connolly type you fight. You say that, but with that, the that's Tesla guy. your type of fight. That's I, your type I, of fight. I, well, we saw the florist. Fortunately, there were no cameras on me at the Tesla dealer. But anyway, I got a little upset. And I said, just, I'm abandoning this car here. And I just left it. I said, I'll go without a car. And then I wake up the next morning. And there is, let me just give a this little backstory. This is content. This is, I did this for content, but go ahead. The first Porsche Panamera, I believe on television was on Entourage. And then I got that car and it's my favorite car that I've ever got. I'm not a big car guy. I drove a Chevy Volt for years and I was happy with it till I dated some rich woman that made fun of me. Okay. I'm not a car guy, but I wanted the Porsche Taycan for, I don't know how you pronounce it, for a long time. I just thought it was beautiful. And so I have this problem with Tesla. I wake up in my driveway without a red bow. Right. Is it tough? 
Ty Can, whatever you call it, from Connolly. Sarah Sanderson helped me out on this one. <laughs> um, we're in the content business, right? It's content. What do you mean it's content? I have a I car. Would, yeah, but it's but but it's a promo lease, meaning like what? you know you know that it's not. It's I don't a, own re- it. No, of course you don't own you, you don't own it. I mean, you obviously I don't can't own sell it. it. No, of course not. And not only that, you can't really drive it much longer <laughs> because it's not really it's not this really is yours. I thought. Do you really think I would I would buy you a fucking? I was shocked. I posted it, and everybody was so proud of you for your efforts. Right, but it's not real. But it's not. Well, I mean, it's a real car, but it's not really yours. I'm like uh, Suge Knight at Death Row Records. Like it's a it's a action park media. We got it's a company car. We got a promo lease. It's a company. All right, but but drive it for a couple weeks, and we'll couple weeks it around. We got it for a little while. I'm supposed to go to Sonoma Wednesday. Am I allowed to take? What's the uh, mileage range on that? Uh, it's, they're claiming two to two forty, but uh, when I charge that. it, it says one ninety. It's a sweet car. We were able to work a deal. We have a promo lease. We got to basically got to return it. So I can't sell this no, car because they, they're selling sell for it. like 15 grand over a sticker. They're not easy to get. Right. Well, wow. it's, they're still not easy to get. Especially right. Well, the you. interesting thing about all this is I posted this as a, a very gracious thank you to Kevin Connolly. I mean, I Sarah cried. Right. She was like, this I, yeah. is the nicest thing. What kind of friend? Well, Sarah's Vince, an actress. Vince did not give a lease. <laughs> and say you got it for a month, E. So I, 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 I just assumed that you would know that. No. I don't know. You, you, it was kind of like when I when we exchanged the watches at the end of that entourage season, <laughs> and then we had this like nothing moment, like that. Then nothing we had like this that. moment. I mean, you can't really think. I mean, we can't afford the. What, what Connolly is talking about is an Audemars Piguet that the character of E wore for the year, and it was supposed to be returned back to Audemars, but Kevin and I basically decided we weren't going to return it at the wrap party. Well, for the Doug final talked season. about it. Doug talked about it. On like all year, like man, I just love that watch. You know, it was at the end of the season. I said to Doug, you know what? Doug had mentioned it probably 10, 15, 20 times. Like, oh man, that's such a sharp looking watch. And I regret this because it's great resale value. I literally took it off my wrist and I gave it to you. That I gave to you. you but did. it was kind of yours anyway. Well, then so six months like the later, Audemars called and said, hey, we need those watches back from the show. They weren't there either. <laughs> so now you're telling me what is the parameters of this card. Do I have it for a month, eight weeks? Well, what? We're going we're gonna to play it by ear, but I, I assumed that Sarah would have let you in on the joke a little bit sooner. But no, no, she still hasn't let me in on the joke. I think she was waiting for this. Not so anyway, well, that's car. before KFC comes on this. You've gone viral this weekend. But has it gone viral? I mean, I've gotten a hundred people sending me. It's it's a Warner Brothers television, uh, WB TV. WB, yeah. When Kevin was on Unhappily Ever After, they had a yeah. promotional thing. And Kevin is dancing around like the happiest guy I've ever seen. Tell me. Yeah. Well, so the WB and the UPN were two very small networks that later merged to become the CW. But in the early days of the WB, the first four shows on the WB were Unhappily Ever After, the Robert Townsend show, which is called Parenthood, the Waynes Brothers, and a show called Muscle, the original four. The second season comes around, and now they open the gates and they give guys their own show. So Steve Harvey show, Jamie Foxx, and they had just tripled their output. And there was a shoot on the WB back lot where all the talent from all the new shows and existing shows were to gather, and they had this whole thing. So we get there, middle of the night. It's you don't night know what shoot. you're doing. I didn't. I didn't really understand what I was reading. And this is 96. It's probably ni- 1996, million years ago. And we have to dance. And I, I did. You know me, Doug. Do you're I not dance? a dancer. I don't no, I didn't think you danced, but yeah, you danced in this video. Because at a certain point, you got to commit. I had no choice. I had to do it. But did they give you a type of dancing? Was anybody like, this guy can't dance? Or, I, I mean, you're I pretty good, I think. It, I fought a tooth and nail. But in re-watching it with my one hand uh, covering my eyes, I, I could barely watch it. I, I thought I went for it. I thought I was as good as I was going to be. I thought you were great. 
I mean, I, I wanted to make fun of you. I watched it a bunch of times. I mean, I thought it was good. What I did was get out in front of it and send it out so it didn't look like I was hiding from it. And I was embarrassed. But it was. It's Oh, God, it was awful. Well, was everybody, awful. you need to awful. check this out. My clothes are awful. We'll post it on the social. It's ridiculous. I wonder if we can get the one-minute man to kind of do a little breakdown of that video because <laughs> it really is a wild group of people. I mean, Jamie Foxx is in Jamie there. Jamie Foxx is so young, and I nobody knew who Jamie Foxx was then. I mean, he was a successful stand-up, I guess. I mean, he got his own show, so... So everybody knew he was funny, but he's not the Jamie Foxx that we know now. But it's pretty wild to watch some of those uh, some of those faces. All right. Last thing before we bring on KFC. Jeremy Piven, podcast starting. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, look, how you Piven, live in Jay Piven? How you live in Jay Piven? I mean, look, Piven's funny, right? We know this. I mean, the guy won. The guy, the guy's won three Emmys. I, the, my thing. So you don't think it was my writing? You don't think he needs that for the podcast? No, I, I, I think I think the hardest part about podcasting, and I want to want to talk to KFC about this, is is the consistency. You have to deliver the product, and that is what becomes challenging, right? So you can do a podcast early, and it can be easy, right? But in a year from now. You still have to have that same fire. And that's what's great about the Barstool guys. These guys at Joe Rogan, now granted, they're all rich doing it, but those guys were doing it for years before anybody was listening. So it's just getting through those dog days. And then also your Rolodex runs thin, right? You, you know, we do it, Doug. Like we sit at times, especially when Kevin Dillon's uh, still on vacation and we go, you know, who are we going to get next week? And it, 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 be it becomes a thing. So you have to keep the fire burning and that's where I think it becomes difficult. But he's got some fire. So I'll be interested. I think I think it's going to be good. I'm sure. Yeah, uh, no, it's great. And we're, and people are like, why, would you, why are you posting it if it's not at, at your company? It's like, well, Doug, you're saying ships rise together. We all rise together. We, want, we wish. Him, we wish him the best. Yeah. Do you but, get him on Hollywood Ways? Uh, I will see. You know, I, right. I, it was tough to get him on this one. We'll see. You know, right. I'll but do he my did. best. And that's the other thing you got to say about Piv. We asked him. He came on. He did. He did. Came in in studio twice. He called in with Mike Tyson for Rex. So you know, listen, it's, it's Piv great. We're Piven's supportive. been great. I'm excited to see it. Also, just a couple other things. Since we're on the cast, we got on to Kevin Dillon. A couple of questions. One: Does Adrian Grenier do how you live in Jay Piven before he does victory? No chance. Okay, that's one. Two. Kevin Dillon is fucking pissed. So he's not going to hear this, but you may want to call him. He's pissed about the car. He's pissed about the car. He, he doesn't think it's a lease. No, no. He called me up and I he, he started yelling and I go, he told me he was getting you a moped, Kev. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I would, I would call him for sure. He's in Venice in the canals. Yeah, I was going to say he's on the canals. He's on the canals. Yeah. So when is he coming back? He, I don't know. <laughs> he's coming back soon. I can tell you what he is coming back for, which whoever's listening out there, we need to know. August 15th, you know we got something exciting happening. What is that? We're doing a live podcast. Is that okay? August 15th? August 15th. Now, are you nervous about this? So let me explain this. We're doing this at, I think, the Brea Improv. Where is that? Brea. Southern California. Southern California. So we go down there. We actually do a podcast live in front of an audience. I, once upon a time, for about five minutes, did stand-up comedy. So I'm doing live. Have you done live theater? I'm, I'm not worried about it, but I'll be honest. My ego is worried about it. Worried that we'll be good or what, worried that no one what shows if, up? What if, what if nobody comes to see us? That right? would be embarrassing. I, you know, do I think that we we could put some asses in the seats in, in New York and the tri-state area? Yeah, we're all from there. Yeah. You're worried about Southern California. Do people in Southern California want to come see us too? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I hope whoever's here, we need you to buy a ticket for this. Right, well, be humiliating. I, you know, the these guys went to Saudi I... Arabia for Comic-Con Saudi Arabia and nobody knew who the well, fuck they were. The best so. thing about Doug is that Doug's ego is so huge that <laughs> that will be sold out if Doug has to buy those tickets himself and bring in people off the street. Oh, there's no doubt. I thought about that with the, uh, you know, we talked about that on Entourage. I wrote that thing where, uh, I forget what it was. It was you and uh, Samari scene where we were talking about Ocean's Eleven and that one of the actors on Ocean's Eleven Supposedly, bought right. like $10 million worth of 
tickets. Right. When the Entourage movie came out, because the grosses were so low, I'm like, is it worth it if I right. bought like 50 grand worth together of tickets? Some invested, put together <laughs> some investors and hit a smaller market. Like I said, you know, we've always had kind of a, a strong hold because that's where we're from. You know, Long Island, New York, Dillon, Rochester. And strangely, I think we do really well in Australia and these other places. Southern California, who knows? We'll see. It'll be interesting. And if it's fun, let's do it more. We may know? have to bring How You Live in Piven with us. I mean, uh, I don't know. I think uh, if you guys get out there, promote Dylan. People want to see Dylan. I don't yeah. know if anyone, no one wants to see me. I'm not. My and ego no one is wants to big. see me either. But I yeah, think if, Dylan, if we can get Dylan in there, like really, you know, in, in, in Dylan form, I mean, I think we got to go Irish crickets. Yep. Got to go Irish crickets. Well, I like it. Well, anyway, everybody look for that, please. We promise it'll be a fun night. Kevin Dillon, Kevin Connolly, they'll both take pictures with you. I'll get out of the way because I know that's usually what happens. So, and we'll be right back with KFC, Kevin Clancy from Barstool Sports. We are back with a very special guest, Kevin Clancy, a.k.a. KFC Barstool. Thanks for joining us, Kev. Thanks, man. It's funny how much your your social media handle just becomes like your name. People <laughs> just call me KFC Barstool. It's wild. <laughs> That's a good thing. Doug has been trying to yeah. make that happen for a long time, bro. He's not, he's not getting anywhere just yet. I just don't have that traction. I mean, I got to <laughs> tell you, Kevin, I mean, I, you're like my news now. This is what I'm watching every day, and, and I'm, I love it. I was just saying, I, I'm flattered by it. That was the goal, but when I hear people say like you're my news source i'm like oh we are fucked we are in trouble kevin we've been (laughs) fucked for a long time this is not a new thing very true you know what actually i say that but at the same time everywhere else you get news is just as fucked up so why not me right exactly you know what at least we know you're giving us a comedy spin on it so you know we can take it for what it is, you know? For those of you that live under a rock and have not seen One Minute Man, which is which is Kevin's summary of, of uh, pop culture stories, right? Kev, fair yeah. to say? And yeah, exactly. for me, when I hear dribs and drabs of a story, whether it's on Twitter or Instagram, and the information is fragmented and a One Minute Man pops up, I can get it. And it's not one minute, sometimes three minutes, four <laughs> minutes, whatever it needs <laughs> to be. But you summarize it quick, fast, in a hurry, to the point. Here's the question. Are you improving this? Is it written? How do you get all that no, information? No. So I, I got my, my little setup here. I got my ring light that holds my phone. I pop my phone in and uh, I let it rip a few times. So I don't write it out. It, 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 depending on the topic, like when I really know the topic, sometimes it's legitimately one take, uh, sometimes just a couple. And then when it's, when it's something I don't really know or I'm like doing my own research myself to figure it all out, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just kind of redo it a few times, but I mean, it, it's almost, it's kind of the culmination of like everything I've done for a while because, you know, I've, I started out writing blogs. So this is almost just like a video and audio version of a blog. Uh, we've done radio, we've done podcasts, we've done, you know, all this shit that just kind of like comes to this point of quick videos that like inform you and crack some jokes at the same time. So I feel like it's, it's just like second nature to me at this point. If there's one thing I could do, it's just fucking talk. <laughs> What's weird about your background, you know, Marvin, the accountant on Entourage was based on my father, Marvin, the accountant really? who had an accounting firm in New York city. You don't feel like an accountant. You don't seem like it, but that's what you went to school for it for them well not specifically accounting but like finance and shit like that so uh i went to fordham and um i i did pretty well in school i had some like credits coming in long story short i, I graduated early and they were like you know you can just roll right into our five-year 
MBA program and go get your MBA. So I was like, all right, fuck it. I'll just do that. All my friends are like traders and, and equity guys and all this shit. They're all heavy finance. So I was kind of like, I guess I'll just do that. You know, hopefully, you know, make some money. Like never really wanted to do it, but was like, whatever, it's, it's well-paying. Uh, started out doing the finance thing and was just, like you said, I don't look like it. I don't sound like it. I'm not, dude. I was bad. I was right. very, very <laughs> bad at it. So uh, I worked I at my dad's for- accounting firm for a summer. They thought there was something wrong with me. They told him I, I was not going to make <laughs> it at anything you know it's not a life for everybody right i mean so you you had a you had a passion for blogging so you're doing that on the side yeah so i'm I'm working as an accountant blogging on the side luckily the job i had was like here's all your work for the month just get it done get it done like you know we had a few deadlines throughout the month 10 or 15 deadlines so if i got shit done early i could i could write i could come in early stay late like whatever i needed to do so that really helped me but they had no idea so nobody at, at work, nobody at Deloitte knew that I was blogging and nobody like in the Barstool world, the people reading my blogs had no idea I was still an accountant. So I had this like double life, like Heisenberg, Walter White shit going on <laughs> for, like, for like two years. It was a long time. And um, you, you were doing videos too or just? No. So at that point, it was all of Barstool at that point was just written. Dave was uh, Portnoy, the founder of it was more, his face was out there. He would do videos. But at this point I was just straight writing. So nobody ever saw my face. Nobody really knew who I was. I was going by my initials KFC, which, you know, it doesn't take a detective to figure it out, but <laughs> nobody, nobody assumes you're not sitting at the accounting office being like, wait a minute, those are the same initials, you know, nobody even knew my middle name. So it was enough of a cover for like two years. And then it just reached a point with both jobs where Barstool was getting so big that they needed me to be like full-time and not like part-time with a partner. And Deloitte was getting to the point where they're like, bro, you suck. Like your work (laughs) is garbage because I was focusing on it less and less. So I remember them being like, so maybe we could like transfer you to another department. And I was like, no, I'm all good. And they were like, well, we're going to fire you then. And I was like, yeah, that's okay. That's all good. They had no idea why I didn't want to like salvage my career there, but it's all because I was ready to go over to Barstool. So you're working at this accounting office and you start writing these blogs, which everybody, every kid in America wants to hear how they can sit in their house, make a good living and be funny. So you're working at this accounting office, which is probably one of the most miserable jobs in America, I would say. In the world. And yep. how are you getting traction and how did you connect with Dave? So I started my own blog. I was reading Barstool for fun. Just like, you know, I had, I had a rotation of blogs to get me through the boring ass day. So I knew what Barstool was and I started my own website. It was supposed to be me and two of my buddies. So I have like two lifelong buddies from first grade. Uh, and we were going to like just kind of fuck around and write some stuff and put some content up there. So I just started like it started out on Tumblr. Eventually, I moved it to like WordPress, just one of those like shitty free blogging sites. Um, and I did that for like nine months, maybe. And right around then was when Dave was looking to expand uh, Barstool. His original idea was to have like satellite cities all around the country. So uh, he puts up a post saying, I'm looking for writers in, in, in new cities, specifically New York. At that point, I was like, I got a good job. It was in the middle of like the recession. A lot of people getting laid off. I was like, I'm not trying to fuck around with a good thing. I got money, got benefits, whatever. But my friends were like, uh, I they had been reading this this website I was doing for fun, and they were like, it's pretty good. Like it it, it got um it got enough traction where it was like friends of friends of friends were reading it. You know, I wasn't making any money. It wasn't anything big, but it was enough that I was like, shit, this is reaching people that I like have no idea how it's reaching them. So I sent it over to Dave. My friends convinced me to just like just drop a line and see what's up. 
And he was like, I've already been sent this. I've already had my eye on this. Wow. And that's when I was like, oh, fuck that. This is, you know, there might be something there. So uh, from there, it was kind of like uh, he just kind of whittled it down with other uh, submissions. And it got down to me and one other guy, Keith. K. Okay, Marco is his blogging name. And that's when initially we split it. And that's why I was able to do both jobs because he was like, you're both good. I can't decide between you two. So how about you split the job, split the money, and you can keep your old job. And I was like, perfect. Because at that point, I still wasn't, you know, Barstool wasn't Barstool then. It was still a risk, you know? Right. So that what was are we talking, five kind of years unfolded. ago? How long ago are we talking? That, that, I started in 09. Are your family members looking at you like you need to be uh, maybe potentially put in a straight jacket for going, yeah. getting a degree from Fordham, and now you're going to blog for a place called Barstool Sports? Obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty. What Was, was there any uh, fallout from the family? Any sit-downs? My, my dad was kind of like, uh, my dad was like, yeah, like now's the time to take a risk. My mom was kind of like, what the fuck did we put you through school for? Like, but, but there was enough. I took a, a pay cut, but it wasn't like I was like, you know, no money or, you know, it was like, it was a normal job. So it wasn't uh, anything too crazy. You were no accounting product. Yeah. So and that was the other thing. I'm like, Ma, listen, I'm not going anywhere. So I know you think that this is like my career, but I got like six months left. People are getting laid off left and right. The only reason I made it through the rounds of layoffs during that 08, 09 recession was like, they liked me because I was like a drinking guy. Like I would go out to the bar <laughs> and I'd, I'd have drinks with the partner. You know? That's like Connolly. Um, yeah, pretty much. And then I remember though, my dad, maybe like six months, neither of my parents are very tech savvy. So they were not like reading Barstool and following me on social media. So maybe like six months in, my dad, we're at some family event. And my dad kind of like leans over and he's like, you told me that was a sports blog. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, he's like, it's not a sports blog. And I was like, no, no, it's not. Because at that point, especially it was smoke shows and models and smut. It was, you know, it was a whole different thing back then. So they were, they were about as supportive while being like, all right, like, uh, we'll see if this is an I told you so moment or not. And so were you going into an office or like on a daily thing or what? Or Barstool? Yeah. No, Barstool up until... Mm, 2015 was everybody uh, at their own. There was a there was a small office up in Boston. It was like a dentist office that got repurposed. So they had a, a shitty office space for probably like maybe eight or ten guys, and the rest of us were all just working out of our various apartments in the city. So I mean, I've I've done barstool from my parents' house, from Hoboken, from the Upper East Side, from my me and my my firstborn. We shared a nursery and a, a studio at one point. So. <laughs> In the beginning, we've done it all. Uh, and then um, then when it was big enough and we got our first round of like investments from an outside media company, that's when we got an office and all brought it under one roof in New York. And now you're back at home. You do the whole thing from home? So one minute, man, I you know, this is literally just the corner of my quote unquote dining room in my apartment. So sometimes I'll do it uh, here. But we have a big office on uh, uh, near Madison Square Garden. That's like, you know, the, the work studio. State of the art, and, the whole nine yards. Yeah, right? green tree, you know, everything we've ever really needed. Uh, already grown out of that, too. I mean, we are growing like the first office we got was supposed to last us five years. It lasted us like five months at the rate we grew. So uh, all all like big time media company shit now, which is funny because, you know, the new people coming in, are they, they've never known anything else. The rest of us are like, we used to, you know, we used, we had guys who would be blogging on the road in a car, driving alongside the Fung Wah buses to get the free Wi-Fi, you know, like getting as close <laughs> as you could to steal Wi-Fi off the bus. So 
Uh, we've done yeah, it all. Things have you changed. Know. You're growing. Yes, exactly. The, the evolution of Barstool has been absolutely incredible, right? And 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 when you say 2015, which feels like yesterday, but so much so much has happened. But you guys are still, you guys, all the top guys. It goes from the top down. You guys still grind it out. You guys work hard all day, every day. It's not, uh, you know, I think when you look at Portnoy and you watch him on his social, he's on a boat. He's here, there, but he's still Grinding. cracking away, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I think, uh, I think that's why we are where we're at because I mean, I'm ultimately, I'm ultimately doing it for the money. I want the money, <laughs> but I, I, I can't like not, I think it's cause I can't keep my dumb fucking mouth shut. I just have to like get, if there's a story to talk about or an opinion to get out there, I just got to tell it. So whether it was writing blogs in the beginning or doing audio podcasts or now video, like if there's a discussion to be had, a debate to have, an argument, uh, some jokes to make, I just want to do it. So as much as it is a grind, like when it's all said and done and hopefully there's a big payout, I don't think I'll like stop because I just you like just doing it. Do it. And that's great. Yeah. I think that's, you know, what everybody needs to know when they get into this type of thing, that you need the passion also, not just like, oh, okay, I'm going to get rich because it's easy because it's not. Dude, the amount of people who are like, I could do this. I'm born for this. First of all, they all go, I drink. And I fuck chicks, man. I'd be perfect. I'm like, uh, you know, what's funny is like the majority of us, we have this, this image of like bros and frat bros and shit. We're all kind of like internet nerds. You know what I mean? We're all blogging on our computer and worried about our followers. You know? <laughs> right. So, you know, they all say they're perfect for it. And then they write for like three days and then they fall off. You know, I'm like, you got to do We did this. I was doing it for free in the beginning for nothing. And, then, you know, we're doing it for pennies. And I was doing podcasts before those were big with like no listeners making sure I like kept myself accountable and always posted so like it got the, better you know, and funny and, and honestly it, it feels you you do continually get better and you're you're excellent but the one minute man was this your idea because that seems like it's taking you to a whole new level right yeah that 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 i can say with confidence is my biggest success everything else i've done is like successful and like a slow grind this was like boom right away um that that started out as a podcast segment so my brother who's my producer pitched the idea initially it was uh 10 topics on a podcast that he would send my way and I would do one minute on each of them, which was funny because I never kept to one minute on that <laughs> right. those either. I always went over time with that. And well, now it's like I'm Dave with his pizza minute. bites. It's one bite. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like I said stuff in his face. How come it's not, you know, one minute? I'm like, I'm sure you complain about how many bites Dave takes as well. <laughs> yeah, so that started as a podcast segment. And then, um, so I guess in 2017 was when I first started doing it. I did them on Facebook initially. Facebook changed up their algorithm, fucked with the views. It kind of like suppressed it. I stopped doing them. And then our social media guy came to us, uh, I guess like during the pandemic, right before the pandemic and said like Instagram is looking for new, uh, like original content, not just the memes and the aggregators and all that stuff. So can you do one minute, man? So it, it just kind of like, again, it was all these, I'm, I'm starting to learn that corny phrase of like, there's no such thing as failure. There's only like learning and that kind of shit. It really is kind of true because it was like a piece from over here that didn't work and a piece from over here and kind of combine them. And next thing you know, um, you know, it re I mean, it really took off like more success than we ever thought. It's the number one video series of Barstool now. And now that you're getting more corporate and more money keeps coming in, does anyone give you notes or you got your own thing and you do whatever you want? Um, I The way I kind of do it is like I make the video I want to make and then I send it over to our social media team and they decide whether to post it. So I'm kind of like, I don't want any responsibility. I, my job is to be like funny and be edgy and push the envelope, talk about some topics that maybe are a little out there. And if, you know, they're the ones who are like, we've got, 
mouths to feed and reputations to uphold now at Barstool. So sometimes I'll just post it to my personal account if if the, the main account doesn't want to post it. You know, within reason, though, everything was like as much as we've gone through the PC culture and cancel culture and all that shit. It's like, if you're, if people know you're in, I've been around long enough that people know my intent. They know what I'm talking about. They know who I am that I feel like as long as you do it with a little bit of tact, you can kind of still tackle all these subjects with humor and, and not be, you know, in any sort of trouble. So are you getting any shit back from any of these celebrities? Do they come after you? Do they, I haven't gotten any, it is weird. Uh, like in general, specifically one minute, man, but everything we do now is big enough that like, if you talk about people, it's going to get back to them, you know, no, for sure. Oh, how about this? So, so just before our, before the 4th of July, um, I did a video on Rihanna. Uh, she went to a bar in New York city I with saw her boyfriend and they, they got denied from the bar cause they didn't have ID. <laughs> so I was making fun of the bouncer being like, who fuck is this guy? Just let Rihanna in. The bouncer showed up at the office uh, on, on Friday and I was in the middle of a podcast. I have my, uh, my social media guy comes running in. He's out of breath. He's like, the bouncer <laughs> from the woman man is here. And I was like, all right, bring it him in and he's like no no no. i don't want to be on camera i don't want to be you know on on the air i'm like well then i don't give a fuck well then what are you doing here what are you doing here? yeah so and and listen as a guy who's gone to these and my friends do this i know about this the fact it's the most ridiculous thing i've ever seen rihanna you need Rihanna in your club. You yes. want Rihanna in your club. It doesn't matter what she has. To to right. look at Rihanna and deny her, I mean, it's negligent. It's negligent <laughs> it's for the club. It's, bad it's business. crazy. Did he have so an explanation? Guy, what did he say? Wait, but was he guy, there to kick your said, ass? Or I what never was he actually got to talk to him because, like, he left while I was still recording. But um, I was, uh, he, he apparently was doing it in, like, a somewhat polite way. He was like, I just want to talk to him. So then I was like, all right, uh, maybe you can come back in next week or after the holiday, whatever. And then he said, he sent an email saying, I want you to delete the video and put up a new one, like a retraction (laughs) with like the real facts. Cause he said, I got the facts wrong. What are the facts? What are the facts? So part of me wants to be like, get the fuck out of here. Part of me wants to be like, let's see this thing through. Like what, what could the facts be? What, what is, it's not even that big of a deal, dude. It's not like, what are you talking about? Right. Let's set the facts straight as if he's like in the Senate, but the facts are the facts. Rihanna didn't get into the club and, and it's on camera and and it's humiliating for her. And I can tell you what, she's not going back to that club. No. And you know what? I I had a lot of people being like, Oh no, this is good because look how much, uh, look how much attention this bar is getting. Yeah. Maybe like they're in the news, but no celebrity is going to want to go there knowing that they could get humiliated humiliated by him get the fuck out of here yeah that's like what they would do to tara reed back in the day seriously <laughs> right. and, and it was mean i would be like are you guys uh, kidding me let her in and walk her out the back door 15 paparazzi outside let the person i mean it's just humiliating to do that it really you know? but so, this guy was not there he wasn't angry and wanted to kick your ass he was just there to set the record straight get about the what facts happened. on the record is I, that i guess so i mean i didn't see him he, he you can't be like exactly thrilled about it but i didn't you know he didn't come in guns blazing either but also i mean we've had we've had this happen a couple times throughout Barstool. It's like, if you're going to come into our place, the cameras are on and the microphones are on because right. we want, you know, that's our lives at this point. Nothing's off the record. Nothing's, you know, private. It's all for everyone to see. So uh, I don't know what his exact like vibe was, but I'm sure, like, listen, I mean, I said in my videos, like this is so typical bouncer behavior and he's only reinforcing it now by being like, I'm going to show up at the, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, all right, take your earpiece out and put your clipboard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, also I, for me, Barstool has gotten so big. I'm personally not a gambling guy. Maybe I wish I was. I I don't really know enough about it. It's such a big component to everything. And are you gambling? I mean, I'm not a gambling guy. So a lot of the content, 
sometimes goes not over my head, but I, it's just not something, which is why I, I love one minute, man. So do you, well, do you that's gambling. That's I don't what, see you on the couch yelling at the TV with no. during the games. What that's why I, uh, I, I like to hear that almost because gambling getting legalized, like way ahead of, uh, of schedule kind of, you know, we took a huge turn in that direction. Penn national bought us. And I was kind of like, Oh, fuck, I'm not a gambling guy. I'm, you know, I'm on the, and, and the, the one thing I can't stand are people who are fake gambling. If you gamble, great. If you don't, when you're trying to talk the talk and, and, and be with one of the guys, it's so obvious if you're not, you know, real. So I was like, I'm going to be the non gambling content guy. I'm going to do one minute, man. I'll do pop culture. Uh, I'm a huge sports fan, but I just don't gamble on it. So I got my, my New York teams when, when they're in it and shit, I'll be on the couch, I'll be on the couch. I'll be on camera, but it's never for money. It's just for my own delusional mental illness. Um, so, but even most of my podcasts and all that stuff, even one minute, man, uh, we've seen that, like, if, if you do a sports topic, you get like a fraction of the views of pop culture stuff. So I try to let those guys do, uh, like sports intensive and gambling intensive content. And I'll do the other stuff. Although, you know, looking at some of the money coming in, I'm like, mm, maybe yeah. I should have gambled. Maybe I got every other vice in the world. How come I couldn't have the one that would have made me millions? Or, or lost your millions. Either <laughs> well, way, and that's the right. thing. Knowing well, me and my luck, if I was a gambler, I'd be, you know, out on the streets. So. You only hear about the wins. You never hear about the yes. losses. That's for sure. Yeah. So I wanted to right. touch on on the podcasting. So, I mean, it really is. It, it, it It's a joke. When I, when I started this company a couple of years ago, there was... 800,000 active podcasts. This is two years ago. Now there's over 2 million podcasts, right? Which is, listen, it's cheap. Everybody can do it. You don't need to sell it to a studio and and you can sort of believe in your own talent. But somebody like you that's been doing it on the forefront, like you said, for how long you're talking to the wall and and your family Mm -hmm. and your friends, how do you keep it fresh? At this point, do you go, fuck man, I just don't have anything to talk about today. How do you keep it going for as long as you have? I mean, there there was a time... don't have a serious channel anymore, but there was a time I had KFC radio, a daily serious show. I have a second podcast. That's just like a solo one for me. One minute man every day. We do our video show called the rundown. I've got a Mets podcast, uh, answer the, I mean, I, I have like six or seven franchises going on and I'm always trying to like not repeat myself or not, you know, contradict myself or keep everything fresh. And it's not easy, but I also, I remember when I was just blogging, I used to have like anxiety that I would be like, what if today's the day I wake up? Cause we, we used to post something every half an hour. We'd have oh. a, a new article. Like we post like 10, 12, 15 times a day. And I was like, what if today's the day the internet's just like not funny and there's just not material. And it just is never the it keeps case. Coming. Like every <laughs> fuck it's the tides, man, the ocean, it just keeps going. So um, what I've learned, what's tough for me is I will, I, I, I forget that there's always new fans coming in. So I feel like I'm repeating myself, but someone's just learning that story for the first time or learning that thing about me or, you know, uh, the, the one like quirky internet thing that goes viral. It's like, oh, that's that's going re-viral. And I'm like, I don't want to talk about that again because I've already talked about that. But I, you got to realize there's like a million new people who might not have heard me speak on that. So it's a fine line between not repeating and keeping it fresh, but also recognizing that, Everything is cyclical and everything goes, comes back up and has its moment. So as long as you can just keep your, at least make it sound like you're, you know, into it again, or, you know, have, have that same, uh, energy about it. I think you can kind of talk about this shit forever. So are people bringing you stuff or you're finding it yourself every day? 
early on, we used to have uh, like a tips email and the amount of people who would would send in submissions of just articles that they found. Sometimes it was like original. And I, I filmed this video of my phone. You can post it. That shit was great. But even just like I found this article off the beaten path about this crazy shit in my town blog about it. So we've always had a really engaged and active fan base being like, write about this, post about this. As far as like one minute, man, it's like, there's always, this is the story of the day. You know, this is the thing that everyone's talking about. Um, and then, so, then I try to find a couple things that are unique to me or something that's local or something that hits home for me that I can give my own. I always try to, I want to find something that I can kind of give my own take on. That's even one minute, man. Sometimes it's just like, I'm giving you this side and I'm giving you that side. And I'll tell you what I really think. But when I can find something that's truly unique to me, where it's like, I can guarantee no one else on the internet is going to have that take today. I, I like stuff like that where I can really, you know, pride myself on those. And Kevin, do you have like traditional ultimate goals? Like, do you want to do a TV show or is this kind of how you love doing it? Um, I was such a big believer in podcasting. So, I, I mean, I grew up listening to sports radio, Mike and the Mad Dog, WFAN type junkie, um, did the radio at Fordham. They have like one of the best sports radio programs for like the college in the country. Um, and then when podcasting came along, we started, I started my podcast in 2012. So pretty, you know, not like the first, but pretty ahead of the curve. I remember Dave, Dave, me and Dave have always like kind of butted heads, uh, in the content world. And I remember, you know, so if I like something, Dave's like, fuck that, you know? So I remember him being like, uh, how are you going to make money? on podcasts. I was like, uh, I don't know. I think, I think there's a way. So he was, he thought that was kind of like a hobby of mine and it turned out to be a huge piece of what we do, obviously. So I, I still feel like as much as it's crazy, how many podcasts there are. And I think there's too many. I'm also like, the beauty of it is you can start Alex Cooper can fucking start a podcast. And next thing you know, she's got $60 million. So I, I do love the idea of the medium. Like anybody can do it. There's no barrier of entry. Um, so I like, I like the audio. I, I always feel like maybe one day I'll just kind of retire to a sports radio type of thing where I can just rant about the Mets bullpen, but I would love to do like, I think the lives that we've lived, uh, I think Barstool is like a unique one of a kind company. I would love to do a, like a unscripted type of curb bloggers type of show. You know I mean? I don't know how that, how I would even begin to pull something like that off, but I think there's a lot there. So maybe that could be the way you, know, you pull this off. Start writing. <laughs> you don't. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's like, I don't, I don't know the the ins and outs of how to write a TV show per se, but you know, I'm sure there's people like yourself who know how to do it. And it's like, I promise you, if I, if you get some of the stories that went on behind closed doors I and mix it with, so. you know, there's a, there's a show to be made for sure. You're not a gambler guy, but you know, sports. So Craig Carton is a, is a buddy of mine and I would fill in for uh boomer like in the dead of summer when Boomer was on vacation. And, yep. um, you know, it was funny because the one night, one day I was there was when the deflate gate thing happened. I'm like, the one day where you need a Hall of Fame quarterback, they got yeah. an actor <laughs> sitting in the chair, like they need Boomer. I'm like, oh, yeah, is this it? But I can remember at, during one of the breaks, Craig Carton says to Al Dukes, who's in the booth, there was some discrepancy about a sports thing and Carton was like get KFC on the phone and find out the answer that was the first time first time I had ever heard you and you were their off-air go-to to get a fact so you do know a lot about yeah, sports I, just not gambling I lines. know I know my teams I know New York sports I'm a Mets Jets Knicks guy um I'm not gonna be the maniac who's who's watching you know West Coast baseball games and, and I'm not gonna be too informed on like outside my world but in you know within my world it's like 
I, it's a mental illness, man. It's, it's, <laughs> it's taking its toll on me over the years. Like I'm hoping the Mets finally can get something going the jets as well. Cause it's made me into like a bitter, angry person, I believe. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know what else, like, I don't know what I would be if I wasn't a sports fan. I don't know. Maybe I would have been an actor. Maybe I would have played an instrument. I don't know. I just spent my whole life yelling at the TV though. So <laughs> you weren't an athlete or you were, no, I was, I, I, I mean, you know, in the loosest term, I what does that even mean? Right. School. What does that even mean? That? Right? What does that even mean? People say, Oh, are you yeah. playing? Like, yeah. yeah. Well, you know what it means. Connolly's doing a uh, senior uh, childhood roller hockey like, league. Yeah. I was, you know, playing basketball at the park. I was little league guy. Like that's what I did as a kid. Uh, and so, you know, it just translated into like being, being a fan as well. But, you know, I, I grew up a Mets fan in the Bronx. So I was like behind enemy lines my whole life. And I think that's why, you know, my online persona and my take on a lot of topics is always like, fuck that and fuck you. And like, da, 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 you know, and, and it's like, cause I think my whole life was like that because, you know, it, it has not been easy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, Connolly was uh, very uh, clear on Entourage where the guys could be Yankee fans. There's a big fight between Dylan and Connolly and myself because we're Connolly and I are Yankee fans, but we're really, Long guys Island, from we're Queens. We're Long Island Yankee fans, and whenever somebody says, "Well, how could you be a Yankee fan on Long Island?" and I'm also a Yankee, I'm, I'm a Yankee fan from Long Island. I'm also an Islander fan. There is no rules. I'm a Dolphins fan. No, believe me. fuck that. that. That's no. a rule. Yeah, Kevin, tell him that's a rule. That's ridiculous. Dude, there, there's a clear cut rule between like when I I call them gypsies when you're like a, a Yankees Jets gypsy it makes no sense it's like you flip the calendar and all of a sudden you become a big bad Yankee fan and then it's football season and you're a lowly Jets fan it's like it's part of who I am to be this loser through and through you can't just pick and choose these things it's and the, and the people from Connecticut who are like oh I'll be a Patriots fan and a Yankee they fan. do whatever they want in Connecticut yeah. oh it's, it's flawless a, all, all bets are off but, but uh, did you hear him the Dolphins what, what do you think about that I mean that's just really Ridiculous. Yeah. Yes, you grew up and Dan Marino was killing it. So you just <laughs> like East Ventura. So yeah, you fucking like Dan Marino. Basically, <laughs> my older brother yeah. decided, and then maybe that, maybe that was it. Listen, my parents are from the Bronx. They moved to Long Island. They grew up yeah. around the corner from Yankee Stadium. My parents were Yankee fans. I wasn't going to go rogue and start rooting for the Mets. And truthfully, when I was young, the Mets were the team. I never saw a Yankee playoff game till I moved to L.A. You're very defensive. Right. I understand <laughs> it. but uh... <laughs> Not defensive, but a gypsy. Ouch. Well, it is, that hurts. it is funny, though. It's like there obviously are no rules to this. We're just we're all cheering for fucking grown men. How embarrassing is that, by the way? We were talking about that last week because we're such diehard Islander fans. And it was honestly, it's the first time in a long time that my sleep was being affected by sports events that I wasn't gambling on. I'm like, what a fucking loser I am that I really care this much about these rich guys and what they do. But we do. And I, I don't know what it is, you know, I, I I mean, it is it's a true when you really break it down. It's a mental illness. Like, I mean, that Islanders run Frankie Borelli, you know, yeah, okay. yeah. Like, I, I mean, knew Frankie when he was a little kid. I used to go eat at Borelli's before the Islander game. And Borelli's yep. was a, a very affordable family restaurant across the street yep. from the Coliseum. You could go have some food and, and you know, you could afford it on a blue collar salary. So I grew up yep. going to Borelli's. I remember Frankie was a little kid. What he's done for a the old man's business. I mean, are you kidding? Amazing. I, it, Amazing. It, it, it's incredible. It's incredible. But what are your thoughts on we? Oh, oh I'm a huge we guy. Are you a wee guy? I'm a huge wee guy. You're not. A, what are you, you guys are not wee guys. No, I'm saying I have to remind myself that we're not we. We well, didn't, here's the thing. We didn't lose Game Seven. The Islanders <laughs> okay. lost Game Seven, and I'm when sad. When I about say it. we, when I say we, I'm not referring. I don't think that I'm on the team. <laughs> right. But we. 
Right. We're here long before some of these guys come through and we'll be here long, long after. after. Yeah. So, I say the same thing. Like, you know, I've had a couple run-ins with, with players that like, you know, you're at Barstool, you get to know some of the guys, then you talk some shit about them when they're not playing well. All of a sudden you kind of, you know, it's a weird relationship to balance, but I'm always like, listen, man, you'll, you're gone in free agency in two years. Maybe I'm still here. Like, right. so there is a, we that exists within the fan base. That's like, you know, this, this came up with the jets when the jets, we wanted the jets to lose to get the first pick. And uh, Makai Becton was kind of like, you're not a real fan if you're rooting against us. And I was like, I understand where you're coming from. I don't expect you to like the fact that we want you to lose, but you've got to understand you're going to be gone and I'll still be here. So I need Trevor Lawrence brother. So, uh, you know, there is a, we in that element, I believe too, but, but yes, the people who act like they're a part of the team or something, you know, I get that. In, in, the, in the early days of entourage, we would, drop names like most of the time it was we were kidding around right it was never uh ill-intended and uh, we didn't know in the beginning that anybody was watching anyway right and then right. slowly season three comes along and in the off season everybody tells hey i ran into so-and-so at a bar vince vaughn gave me the cold shoulder because doug wrote a line <laughs> yeah, called him puffy and and you start realizing <laughs> you go wow man like and then 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 you re you get the script and doug's like takes a shot at somebody that you know and you're like I took very few shots, by the None, way. They weren't ah. shots. It really was. It really was. Neither of us are going to be in a Michael Bay movie anytime soon. I can I assure you that. But I, I guess. So I, there did come a point, and specifically Kevin Dillon, where we'd be like, hey, man, is there any way we can shift this around? So I, I guess my point is, you guys are so big now. Is there a point where the job and the personal relationship comes to a fork in the road and you have to make a decision yeah. on how you're going to cover it. What's that look like? Definitely. Like for, for sports specifically with me, uh, we have a, a Mets podcast. It's a small thing I do. It's nothing huge, but I just wanted to have it. Like I'm going to be talking about the Mets anyway. Might as well press record. Um, but, and this was more a couple of years ago before Steve Cohen bought the team and things are now looking up with the Mets when it was the Wilpons and the team itself, not the players, but just the franchise was garbage. I was very outspoken about that. And I was, I told my guys, I was like, I don't really want to interview the players. If, if we get big enough that the guys want to come around, like you can do that. But I, at the, what Mets fans to represent Mets fans well enough, you got to be like, this team sucks. Or like they blew it again or whatever. And I hate the moment where I'm like, well, if I say that, then he's going to get mad at me and we're not going to be friends anymore. <laughs> like I try to keep it. The, the only thing the truly, uh, the only thing I really have is like, I keep it very, very real. I, I think I'm pretty funny. I don't think I'm as funny as some of these guys. Like I think the main thing for me is that I speak the thoughts of like other people. And the minute that I compromise that, I'm, I'm out, you know, I'm out of a gig. So right. I, I try to be, you know, I, I, I never know what the right call is. Like me and Dave have always kind of been like, we'll, we keep it real. We'll say whatever uh, about whoever. And then guys like I'm part of my take and big cat have been very like diplomatic and have made connections and have all, you know, amazing contacts. And I'm like, I don't, you know, maybe I should have been more diplomatic, but maybe, but if I did, I don't think I would have, you know, who I am. So it's a fine line. Uh, I guess, it's kind of like case by case. Like if somebody's, you know, really big or really important, maybe I'll fucking. <laughs> well, if, if the Mets are 15 games below 500 and you're talking about how great the, the bullpen is, you lose credibility. Yeah, you do, right? Work. Yeah. It, it's like, and I, and I would hope that, uh, like I remember me, me and Syndergaard were, were friendly in the beginning and, you know, a couple things come up here and there where I got to be honest about it. And he's got a situation with a girl and it's on the blog, all this shit. And next thing you know, he's mad at me. I'm like, all right, man, I don't know what to tell you. Like, 
I got a job to do also. So maybe we just shouldn't be friends anymore. It's, it's, you know, <laughs> so the job took precedence. I don't need any more friends. All right. Like I'm good. Right. <laughs> I'm just here to put the content out, make some money and survive this, this whole, you know, this whole mess. So, uh, Marcus Stroman and I went to the same high school tidbit met trivia. Marcus Stroman. He's the pride. And well, there's some other guys, <laughs> Mike Murphy, who lone survivor, but Marcus Stroman and Matt's. Yeah. Mike Murphy might have the edge there. Yeah, I, I think know. he's got the edge on uh, <laughs> old Marcus Stroman over there. But, um, you know, uh, there's the famous story about when Matt's, who pitched for a rival high school, and Stroman faced off in high school. And the field was, I mean, it was like the scouts were like fireflies. It was a scene. And uh, Matt's sure. edged him out in a one nothing error in like a, a nail biter. And both of these yep. guys, uh, both of these guys yeah. went to the show. So, yeah, you know, we, we started an Islander podcast. Dude, that's a pretty, so wait, your high school has... Two pro athletes, you on Entourage, you with an acting career, and Mike Murphy? Mike Murphy is far and away. <laughs> He's number one. Mike yeah, Murphy yeah. is number one. And yes, yeah, Strowman was the first guy to really, they, they, I can remember, oh, you got to see this kid. He's in sixth grade. I'm like, well, how good can he be? Yeah. He's in sixth grade. You know? Oh, he throws yeah, all of and, and So you just were always tracking Strowman, you know? Matt's went to a rival high school. In our okay. in our league, oh, so they played against right, right, each right. other. And there's articles, I, you know, I wasn't there, but I read articles about this. The tension in the air watching these two guys pitch, and they both went to the show. How about that clip going uh, going semi-viral this weekend of that WB commercial? You dancing with the frog. Oh, we were going to oh, talk boy, about that. I mean, was that unbelievable? It's, and Connolly is not known for his dancing, but he really went for it, didn't he? I'm on the WB. I was wildly. I've never been so Just so everyone knows what we're talking about, it's online now. It started going around, but WB did a promo before 96. Jamie Foxx was really a star. So it's Jamie oh, Foxx, Connolly. So who else good. is in there? Well, the Waynes it's, brothers. I mean, it's the whole uh, WB cast. So you right. got like, you got, you got, uh, you got Nikki uh, Cox, Jamie Foxx, and, and, and Steve Harvey Steve dancing. Harvey. And then you got Kev wearing this ridiculous suit trying to keep up. It was amazing. But Connolly really went for it, which was shocking. To well, me. I listen, I fought it tooth and nail. I mean, I did everything. I, I was faked an injury. I had a flu. I, I, I was so so uncomfortable, but at a certain point, the cameras are on you and you go, okay, I just have to do my best. But I can remember the, the, the big scandal was that Sarah Michelle Geller in season one of Buffy the Vampire Slayer just put her foot down and said, I'm not doing the dubba. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys I could fuck see off. Sarah Michelle, she has a little bit more pull when it comes to the dubba well, dubba. And, and she, she had, she had some juice and she put her foot down and said, I'm not. And I was then, of course, the guy going, oh, she doesn't have to do the dubba dubba. But I got to be out here like a clown at three in the morning. It's freezing. You looked cold. like you were loving it. I tell yeah, you. You look great. Knows? I might have had a trick. I don't even remember. But I, Kevin, that, blocked that, that, it out. But that kind of brings me to the bar stool because th it's really such a new age of how everything's happening and how Portnoy and you really do not give a shit about the cancel culture. You're going to say what you want and do what you want. But as this corporate thing grows, do you have things like that that you have to go on? Do you guys do retreats or their bar stool? That must be insane no. if you do. <laughs> Look at no. no. Nothing. No. We, we, we did. So let's see. One time we did a... Uh, a Christmas party. He came down to New York. We went to Lavo. There was like <laughs> eight people in the company at the time. They gave us a table for like four and we just like crammed up at <laughs> right. Lavo. And then he was like, uh, he was like, we're never doing this again. He, he came from Boston to New York. It was terrible. So he was like, next time you guys are coming to me. I think the next year we did a Celtics game in a box. Right. And then we just stopped doing those all together. <laughs> Uh, More trouble than they're worth. When, when Chernin first invested in us, we needed to kind of meet them and have, I guess that was the most 
the closest thing to a retreat was we went up to his house in Nantucket and like spent a weekend. But now it's like, uh, eh, we don't so do most of the company is zooming and, and you're not really together a lot, right? No, no, no. So now, so we have our office in, in New York and that is where all our studios are. Um, Dave is, you know, he's living in Miami now or out of Montauk the summers. He's always, he's always, uh, you know, on the go. It's a lot of travel from everybody in general, but we, we get, you know, we're still under one roof. Um, but but it's also, I don't know, we're just like, I think we have a very good understanding. Like, you don't need to be best friends to do this shit, you know? Like, Tell me all, about it. Yeah, we hate each other yeah, over here. Like, but just in general, just because we're on a TV show together, love them doesn't mean we're going to go for a beer. It's nothing personal, exactly. it's just how it is, right? Right, and yeah, I mean, especially the, what we're doing is like, in the beginning, it was, you know, once you start talking shit to each other and, you know, there's personalities and roles and personas that grow, it's like, there's a little bit of separation, but as long as everybody realizes, like, we're just here to get a job done, you don't, I, you know what's funny, though? I've actually referenced Entourage, not the actors, like the characters, because me and Dave have had like fireworks in the past being like talking shit to each other. And people love that. And it's like butting heads with the boss. And there's been a lot of success because we were opposed, you know, and I but I there's definitely been times where I've like had a few beers and I'm like in my feelings and I'm like. Bro, imagine if we were like the guys from Entourage. Though. Imagine if we were like family. If like he was like Vin and I'd be like E. So sometimes I think if we were cooperating a little more or like looking out for each other, but it really is like every man for himself, which breeds a lot of a lot of competition and a lot of like you know keeps you sharp. Yeah. But sometimes good I'm like, for the man, company, we were not the friendships. Boys. Well, that's what I always say. Everyone is Entourage realistic, and I always say the Hollywood stuff was ultra-realistic. The most unrealistic stuff is that 35-year-old men <laughs> like to hang out this much and Living really together. look out for each other. We eat breakfast together. <laughs> yeah. We go to the club. We go to lunch. We and do it's all not about money, guys. It's just about us being together. We love that. You know? <laughs> Portnoy, Portnoy yeah. and, and Kevin had a little thing. And I, I see it. I thought it was hilarious because, again, I'm with you. Kevin is basically saying, summer sucks. Like, everybody's gone. Work screeches to a halt. And you're basically hot. Right. Yep. So he posts that. And now Port Portnoy is in Montauk or he's on Dude, the boat. Like, what? yeah, summer really sucks. They're going <laughs> back and forth. Going so you have to be following along to know that he's talking about you. I knew it. I was hysteric. Drives me crazy. Everything is hashtag summer sucks while he's like sipping a cocktail <laughs> on a fucking yacht. I'm like, yeah, listen, if I were you, I wouldn't say summer sucks. Right. But if you were me, you would say summer sucks. I got kids who aren't in school anymore. I got to lug them around. I'm it's doing hot. Yeah. I'm sunburned. I don't go out anymore. If I do drink, I'm hungover. The, city smells like, the summer sucks. He's I'm like, you. you know, feet up, sipping a fucking, you know, pina colada. Like, yeah, summer's great. Man. Hashtag like, yeah, summer okay. sucks. I so what's it. the, what's the, what's on the docket for the one minute man? What's the hot topic coming up? Is there uh, uh or are you waiting for something? Yeah, let's see. I mean, I, I, um, I'm, I'm on my, let's see. I'm trying to think. So I, I mean, we just did the, uh, the Olympic runner getting pot for weed. That was a big one. Uh, Trevor Bauer, whatever's going to happen oh, there nice. is going to get uglier and uglier. Cosby. I'm, I'm in a little, yeah, uh, Cosby was insane, man. So, it, you know what? It's it's almost like I hate when uh, there's real shit that comes up where I'm like, fuck, I got to do this like topic about like assault. You know right. what I mean? I'm like, I want to just talk about, you know, music or <laughs> right. you know something silly. So, uh, you know, it's it's it is crazy. It, it's there's no predicting it. Like I very, very, very rarely will be like, all right, I'll do this one Monday, that one Tuesday. We'll finish up the week with that one. It's always just like wake up and see what you got, which uh, now that we're getting more and more sponsors. 
sponsors where it's like, it's got to get done. Right now you have to do it, right? Now you have to do it. How many do you do a week? It's always different when you have to do something, you know, it's like, (laughs) I did it it for the love of the game. Yep. How many do you Um, do a week? Would you say? uh, Probably like three to four. In the beginning, we did, in the beginning, I was doing like, and I I think it was um, just luck that there was a lot of shit happening, but I was doing like seven a week at one point, like two in a day, banging them out. Like, and that's what really helped it grow. Then I got to a point where I was like, I'm not going to force it. If there's no story that day, we'll just like let it breathe, you know? And now that sponsors are coming along. Sometimes it's like, I got to make something out of nothing. But for the most part, there's always a topic that I can, I can, I can get passionate about almost anything. You know, you want to pick one side of the argument, I'll argue the other. So I can kind of make, make it happen. But yeah, probably like three or four on a, awesome. and a, and a good week. I'll do one a day. Well, I love it. I'm watching. I check it out every morning when I, I wake do, up and Conley does. Dude, we actually I mean, discuss it in the office. It's weird. <laughs> you know? it's, it's, it's so good to hear. Like I, like I said, I've done a lot of things that have grown, but I have never had anything until now that has just been like a, a like 100% success where everyone agrees. And every time I'm doing an interview like this, or I have a guest on my show and they're like, Oh, wait a minute. I know that. I'm like, wow, it's fucking working. Like it actually works. You know, that's and, amazing thing when you keep grinding you never know what the thing is going to be for Connolly, it's this wb dance that's oh, going to suddenly <laughs> catapult them back into hollywood you know what i did kev i i got out in front of it and i retweeted it right yes, thinking like smart. i'm going to take ownership of this and it'll come to. from me i'm not hiding from it but i'll be honest the first time i watched it i was sick i, I was i was like i'm gonna this is humiliating it was awful i don't know but that is that's how you handle the internet though what you, what you did was perfect it's like unless it's something you know actually Crazy, bad you gotta right. worry about if it's something embarrassing just fucking own it, I gotta be honest. I watched it twenty times. I'm not exaggerating. I was I, laughing. I knew I had to send asshole. it to Doug before he sent it to me. I'm like, this guy's gonna fucking destroy me. So I loved it. it right I just couldn't. You know, Kyle. Even when we did like we did episodes where E is supposed to dance, Kyle does dance. So I, I was shocked I to see it. I mean, it's, I just don't. I don't know. I'm like I'm strangely a private guy. We, you know, we have the step and repeat. So Doug always drags the guest in front of the thing. I don't even like to take the pictures because I know. Then, then on the internet, I gotta hear like my shoes are too tight i tie my <laughs> shoes my shoes aren't tied too tight Bro, they hate my everything. pants they hate my shirt you know everything you can't, you can't you could look your absolute best yeah. that day and they're gonna find a way to tear you apart I, I the moment i realized that when people were criticizing megan fox's thumb <laughs> you know what i'm talking about she's yeah. i mean that, that's she's got a weird like, thumb i'm never gonna worry about my appearance ever again because if megan fox can catch some shit for her appearance then i'm fucked so yes i look a little fat yes i'm pale i don't know man leave me alone like I, listen i, look like? I admitted look i'm short doug's been breaking my balls about being short for 15 years on entourage i don't need to hear i'm short standing next to mark cuban yeah <laughs> mark cuban's a big guy <laughs> He's a tall fucking guy. Half the time, I'll I'll take a fake call and duck out. I'm like, that guy's way too tall to get. <laughs> I'm gonna get torched. Doug's yelling at me, "Get in here! We need you in this picture." I'm like, no, nah, I'm editing the episode. Meanwhile, I don't edit anything. I'm like making up fake jobs fake in the control call. room, fake phone calls out the back door. Like, yo, I got the baby and thing. You know what? The internet is a cruel place. But both of you doing great. And this Kevin, we got so many fucking Kevins between Dylan Connolly and you. But you're looking great. The hair looks great, by the way. Which Doug's, is what we Doug's talk hair. about. Obsessed, bro. Doug's hair, hair, hair is all I got. So I'll just, I need to keep the hair growing. I'm taking the pills, I'm eating the gummies. I need it to stay. You Doug know? had a major procedure. I'm, fi- I'm almost 54, though. So it's a whole different Maybe animal. Maybe it would be a know? good one. Let's do it with KFC. Let's see what's under the hat. You're not ready yet. In the now? fall, we're going to unleash the hair. Now is not the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I added Wait, a little what, hair. What, you get, did you get transplants? I did. We don't yeah, know what it is. It's I not did. transplant. Dude, it's, regeneration. So it's regeneration. It's regeneration. Like Portnoy did it. Portnoy did it. And it, you know, he, he, we used to crush him for his bald spot. It was almost cheap. <laughs> because 
you know, in, the, in the blog world, it's like we have we be funny you for this and you for this and you for that. His thing was the bald spot. He just paid money and got rid of it. I was like, this is bullshit. Yeah, it's uh, it's unbelievable. By the way, I didn't even know about it until I heard Portnoy and then Brady and Brad Pitt. I didn't even know it was possible. Doug so. was devastated to learn that Brady had a procedure. We call it a procedure here, yeah. Kevin. We call it yeah, a procedure. A procedure. <laughs> yeah. But Doug, he's going to un- unleash it in New Year's Eve. Fall. New, New Year's Eve. Eve. By the way, wow. it, was, it wasn't right. that bad. But you know, but anyway, you you got you got good hair there. All That's you crazy. Irish guys you do an have hour, hour long hair. interview, and he's going to go, "Wow, a guy's got great hair." <laughs> Love one minute, man. Oh, I've been you looking about him the whole time. He's been staring at your hair the whole time. That makes my day. So more more so than the one minute man praise. I like the hair. So thank you guys. I I really appreciate. Yeah, no, we appreciate you coming on. We love it. Obviously, you were my first podcast I ever did. You had me on yours, and I appreciate that. It was great. So thank you for that. And uh, yeah, man, we're we're big fans, and we talk about it all the time. So best of luck. Keep up the good work, Kev. We love it, man. Thank you you. guys too, man. I know Action Park has been uh, you know bursting on the scene, and I know you guys are doing good work there, dude. That that two way mirror thing that you got going there is unbelievable. I know. Yeah, you're gonna lose that in the new space. We 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 we've grown. We're getting a new office, and you know what? I could do without it. People are walking. People know we're here. They're walking. Yeah, People yeah, are yeah. walking in. Hey, let me tell you something. There would have been nobody to stop that bouncer. That's for sure. <laughs> that bouncer would have been on top. By of the me way, Kevin, we we had a guy coming yeah. six five, two hundred forty pounds. He's like, "Where's Doug and Kevin?" And it was me that answered. I'm like, "I'm Doug," and he goes, "I know Mark." And I go, "Mark who?" He goes, "Wahlberg." I go, "Okay, what's up?" Because. Oh, you don't, you don't know me. You don't know me. And he walked out and we we thought we were dead. It was a veiled threat. Yeah, it was was weird. We got to get out of here. Too many people. The TMZ bus drives by and I have to go out. I'm like, I'm in bad. I don't want to dance. I want to, I'm out there like waving to the TMZ bus. Mm -hmm. Listen, You got KFC on right now. To me, you you set the pitch for Barstool to fucking buy out Action Park Park right now. Barstool West. Uh, Barstool West. You know what? We do need a West Coast presence. That's the one thing we've always lacked. So I'll throw the name out there. Throw it out there. See? What he says. All right, Kev. Thanks a lot, buddy. Appreciate you jumping on, boys. Thanks a lot. Take it easy. Be good. What I like about him so much is people really do think this is the easiest thing in the world. He's working his ass off. I mean, you know, like while it seems, oh, he comes up with a one minute thing. It's funny. Every day he's got to come up with that material, write it, whether he's, you know, improvising it in his head, he's writing it and he's doing 10 other things at the same time. Yeah. He said he's got like six or seven franchises going. I mean, they, I think they stopped. He said they stopped doing the serious radio show, but um, yeah, man, that's a lot. I mean, think about, think about how much goes into what we do with at victory. Imagine doing it. Well, you're about to do it, right? You have to keep these ideas separate, right? So if you're covering something on Victory the Podcast, now you're going to do Hollywood Ways. You have to make sure you don't want to be too repetitive, but it's okay to repeat some things because it's different audiences. So I think a lot of these guys, and and even when you look at Portnoy, if you follow his social media, you, you could think that the guy, you know, wakes up and does nothing all day, but float around on boats. These guys kill themselves. They work really they fucking They do. Hard. And honestly, just creating content, whatever it is that's worth posting is, you know, it, it, it takes effort and time. So everybody who's out there, wants to start a podcast, which I do believe everyone, if you like it, do it. It is cheap and you can get into it, but don't do it because you want to be rich and famous because the odds are slim. It's funny how he mentioned talking about he first pitched podcasts to Portnoy. He was like, well, how are we going to make money doing that? And now I would imagine they're po- they're, they're a podcast business. I mean, it's, yeah. it's crazy what they're, what they're doing with podcasts. So they were, he, Clancy was on the front of that, uh, the forefront of that that sort of movement. And, uh, you know, again, he's still cracking away. So that was, that was good. That was, uh, that was a fun guest. Yeah. Definitely wasn't boring. No. And you're doing his show, right? I'm going to do his show. Yeah. 
Oh, good. We're finally getting Connolly out there on the podcast circuit, <laughs> yeah, which I'm excited for. So anyway, we'll be back. We have no idea who our next guest is or what we're doing I or when Kevin stuff. Dillon's coming back. You got some ideas? Yeah, Kevin Dillon will be back soon. People are starting <laughs> soon. to slowly trickle back into town. We got Carla Gagina coming up. We're going to get Emmanuel Shrieky on. Dillon will be back. And I got a couple of irons in the fire. I did put an email out to Tom Brady, who usually responds to me, but have not heard back. Is it possible that he hasn't read it? Do you think he saw it from you and like kept it? To where it's unread, so he knows that it's there. I mean, my personal feeling is he will respond if he saw it. But Who for knows? all I know, he went, oh, this fucking yeah. asshole thinks I'm yeah. doing his podcast. I've done fucking two episodes and the movie, and now yeah. he wants me on his podcast. And, and you know, Connolly likes to tell this story, but we had a crew guy when Brady was on the show who showed up with a uh, garbage bag like full an of football. Industrial footballs. garbage bag full of football. And wanted Tom to sign them. Um, so maybe he's mad about that. I don't know. No, he, but he's not. No, he, lo- he loves us. I, we, we're going we're gonna to get Tom on. I, I don't know when. So don't don't quote me, but quote me and uh, put any DMs. Who else you want to Kevin Conley? We'll be back. Doug Ellen, follow Hollywood Ways. We're coming soon. That wraps up Victory the Podcast. See you next week. I don't know what you're supposed to do. I act on what I feel when I'm with emotions. I'm